Hey, welcome to conversation number three in our teaching series, Planned Familyhood. The reason that we're having these conversations is because we want to know how to do something that's so common to each of us, that each of us and every single one of us have had some experience of being in a family, we're part of a family or we will be part of a family. And it's, although that's common to us, we actually wanna know how to do it uncommonly well. Because none of our experiences of our family are the same. Some families just kind of happen by accident and go through life just kind of winging it. And others, they're very planned, they're very intentional. And what we're trying to do in four conversations is understand that no matter what season you're in, what status, really what you're sitting in right now, how you can make the most out of every opportunity how you can do what you have in front of you and how you can do it well, how you can find significance in singleness, in parenting. And today we get to talk about marriage. We get to talk about the reason and the purpose for it. And so one thing we've said in every conversation is this, what we don't desire and what we don't need you to do is be thrilled with the situation that you're in, with, with your status right now. We don't need you to be thrilled with it. We don't need you to want to be there for the rest of your days. But what we're trying to do is understand how we can be intentional with every single status. Because I believe that every single status that we ever experience in this life, every relationship that we have is given to us for a season and for a ridiculously good reason. And so we get to talk about marriage. Before we start talking about marriage though, I want you to do something for me. It's a bit of a mental exercise. As I want you to think about everything you know about marriage. Like picture a big box in your hands and everything you know about marriage is inside of this box. Some of us, it's things that we've seen our parents do, um, some things that we've experienced from our marriage or our former marriage and all of it is kind of contained in there. And what I want you to do is I want you to hoof it away. I want you to clear your mind on what marriage is. I want it to be done like we're coming to marriage like we don't know anything whatsoever. No, no parent experiences, no marriages of our own, no, no preaching, no hurt, no arguments, no expectations. I want us to be at square one and I want us to come today to the conversation about marriage with an excitement. To hear and see about marriage like it's the first time we're hearing about it. Like a kid seeing a puppy for the first time or tasting ice cream or the first time you let them watch that one Disney movie where there's an insipid song that they won't stop singing over and over and over again. I want us to come to the conversation like that because marriage is actually a great mystery. It's a great, mysterious and beautiful thing. And one of the worst things, one of the dangerous things that can happen when we talk about marriage is we come with our box full of pre-experienced, preconceived notions of what marriage is and it's already full. So any conversation we have, we're just trying to jam stuff in there rather than going back to the basics of what it's supposed to be. Because I believe that God has a plan for those of us who want to have our marriages love him and love people. That for you and I and for every single marriage that wants to do that, there is something we can do. There's something we can understand about it. And so we're going to go with an empty box and understand how we're going to make the most out of every opportunity. And we're going to start with our core text for the series. Our core chunk for the series is Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. We're going to start right there kind of as a reminder. It's a base because it's what leads us straight into this big old chunk on marriage and what it means and how it's done well and how it really frames the box for us. For Ephesians 5.15, and this is going to be like all the way through 33, so buckle up. It says this, starting in 15, it says, Be careful how you live, 
Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means to submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There's a lot there. But there's a lot in there. And so what I want to do is I want to break it down to the very foundation of what we're talking about. So if we were ever going to kind of restart what marriage was going to be, like a brand new empty box, this would be the very foundation, the bottom of the box that stops everything else falling out whenever you pick it up or whenever it gets shaken. Ephesians 5.21 is the base of the marriage box, the, the plan that God has for your marriage. It says, further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Marriage... Is. Marriage is, is something we do, it's something we enter into, and it's something that God planned for us if we choose to mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is the marriage that God has planned, that marriage would point directly to Jesus, that it would be all about Jesus and the church. And I'm just going to say this, if that's not what our marriages are about, then that's not God's plan for marriage. Like we can get all bent out of shape about who gets to get married, when they get to get married, why they get to get married. But this is the thing that is most necessary for us to understand. That if this is not at the base of a marriage, it's not a marriage that God has planned and designed. It's not what he desires for us. The thing that we need to be more interested in focus on is this need that we have to make this the base because marriage is hard to do. And so we need something that is going to be strong enough to hold the base of a marriage together. It's going to hold it together when we get hurt. It's going to hold together when we feel weak. It's going to hold it together when expectations aren't met. And the thing that is strongest is reverence for Jesus Christ. There is nothing stronger in a marriage than mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. Because reverence for Christ actually means that we know what he's done. 
Like, do we understand what he's done for us in bringing us salvation, that he paid a debt to rescue us from our sins? And if we know that, we also know that he did that for our spouse and that he has the same patience and grace for us as he has for them. And so as we trust Jesus and love Jesus and revere Jesus, it actually makes us able to love our spouse. Because reverence for Jesus is stronger than my affections, it's stronger than attraction, and it's stronger than my own sinful limitations. And so I want to be compassionate, but I also want to be really forthright with you here before we continue the conversation. If you don't want this, this mutual submission for Jesus as the base of your marriage, then your marriage won't be the type of marriage that God God ordains and plans. And if he, your, your boyfriend, your fiance, does not want that to be the base of your marriage and you choose to get married to them, that marriage will not go well. And if she, your girlfriend, your fiance, does not want that to be the base of your marriage, then that marriage is not going to go the way that God plans it to go. God has a design for marriage and the design for marriage is that it would bring him glory. And so if you, if you're single right now and you're thinking one day maybe you will be married and that you actually want this to be, or maybe you are married right now and you're in this conversation because you're wondering how to strengthen the bond or to right the ship or even just to do this right at all, then this has to be the first thing. This verse 21, this foundation, mutual submission out of reverence for Christ has to be the first thing because what comes next, the next thing is really difficult stuff. It's stuff that we'd rather not talk about. In fact, it's stuff that we'd rather not be in the Bible about marriage because it's ridiculously hard to do. Verse 22 says that wives, that means submit to your husbands. As to the Lord, verse 25 says for husbands, it means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. See, these two things are the two things that Jackie, my wife and I, we did not do well. We did not have nailed down in the beginning. Like our marriage for the first few years is like if it was a box, it was made out of wet paper towels. I was the least sacrificial, most selfish person. And I get into this marriage thinking I'm going to get what I want out of it. And Jackie, she was and still is the most fiercely independent woman I've met. And the idea in the early days of her submitting to me out of anything was a bit of a joke. And that made our marriage weak. And a lot of us, we can kind of feel like we're in that place, like we're in that relationship right now. And the relationship or the marriage, it it feels flimsy. Like it doesn't fill you with confidence and consistency. And at some point or another, you're asking yourself the question, is this, is this how it's supposed to be? Like, is, is, is this what I actually want? And, and, and will this even last? Like we all ask these questions once, at least once. And for Jackie and I, it took us three years to start asking those questions seriously. Is this how it's supposed to be? Or maybe supposed to be something else and I would just ask that you ask them earlier maybe even ask them before you get married because after three years Jackie and I were hovering over separation because marriages they see they they fail and even even nice marriages ones that seem happy ones that are entered in by a couple of Christians they fail when they don't have a foundation that is solid when they don't have something that holds all of your inadequacies, all of your weaknesses and all of your failures and flaws together, if we don't have that, 
then good marriage is a difficult thing to attain. Nay, impossible. And I've heard it once said, maybe more than once said, that if you want a good marriage, like you make, you, you bring Jesus into the marriage, right? You, if you want a good marriage, you make sure that you bring God in, you make God the middle of the marriage. And it's good advice, but I think also sometimes it kind of gives the wrong idea of what needs to happen. It's this idea that I've got a pretty good marriage here. I'm just going to bring God and add that into it. I think that God has the perfect idea of what marriage is. And instead of trying to bring him in, I feel like we have to leave where we are and take it to him. I feel like what we actually need to do is that we need to pick up any conception or or preconception we have of marriage and actually just walk away from where we are and take it to him and then ask him to be the foundation and to tell us and to change us and to transform the way that we think about it. We as a couple need to go to him when we're in an argument. We as a couple need to go to him when we make big decisions. We as a couple need to say that he gets the final word. Because you see marriage, marriage is a worshipful thing. It's a worshipful thing in which we actually get to worship God by how we love our spouse. When it comes to worship, yeah, we usually think about singing or or talking about Jesus or, or maybe giving or serving. But really marriage, is one of the fundamental ways in which God has prescribed us to worship him. And so men, if you're thinking about being married, or if you are married, then this, this marriage that you have or you will have, is one of the most important ways that you can show worship to God. How you revere Jesus is displayed in how you treat his daughter. And women, If one day you desire to be married or you are already married and you do want to love God and love people and you do want to worship God, then your reverence for Jesus Christ is displayed most emphatically in how you treat his son. You see, there are verses in the Bible about how women, you need to submit to your husbands in all things. And yes, more than one husband has used that and taken it out of context to play some sort of superiority game in the marriage. And yes, there are verses in there about how men, you need to actually give up everything you can, everything about your life for your wife. And yes, there's more than one wife who used that to make a husband give up on all of his ambitions and all of his desires and to make him cower. Yes, we can get this all wrong because without verse 21, without this foundation, it seems quite easy to make marriage about me and to make it about you in which It's really genuinely deeply not. Marriage is about God. It's about God. It's about loving God. It's about loving people, but it's about reverence for Jesus. You see, what we're trying to understand in making the most of every opportunity and every status and every stage that we're in is being single is about him. And dating is about him and and having kids is about him. And maybe becoming single again is about him and having grandkids is about him. And marriage, marriage is about God. Marriage is about him. It's about worship. And that's how we make the most out of this opportunity we've been given of marriage is we mutually submit to each other out of reverence for Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Making the most out of every opportunity looks like not acting thoughtlessly, but understanding what the Lord wants you to do. There's no perfect marriage. There are just opportunities. We do not need Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. What we need are two people 
that understand what the Lord wants them to do, to mutually submit for a larger purpose. Because this marriage that you have, this thing on display to you, to her, to him, to the world, actually has a secondary reason and maybe even a bigger reason. It's not just about having a nice marriage. It's not even about doing it right or being good. It's actually given to us this instruction and this reminder that our marriage actually has a larger purpose to the rest of the world too. We pick it up in verse 31 where it says, the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. It says, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must, leave his, uh, must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. What it's saying there is every single marriage, your marriage and my marriage, every single marriage that desires to love God and love people is an illustration. And the thing that it's supposed to illustrate is the relationship that Jesus Christ has with the church. The relationship that Jesus Christ has with the church is basically the whole point of all of this. It's, it's the reason that we're here. It's the, it's the number one reason we still draw breath. It's, it's the purpose of the church existing. Because the relationship that we have with him is the relationship that God needs the rest of the world to know about. And if we understand who Jesus is and what he does and how he loves and how he sacrifices, and then we understand that marriage, marriage is the largest way, the most impactful way that God is going to display that to the rest of the world, then we understand why our marriage is so important and why God says so much about it. Because to married couples who desire to make God their center, that claim that God is involved, we're given this charge, this responsibility, this commission to send a message to the world about what a relationship with their creator is like, about what a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is actually like. That is why we have to work on our marriages. That is why we seek to do them well, why we plan, why we work, why we use and why we worship with them. And so what we don't need is a lot of fake Christian marriages. We don't need to pretend that everything's okay. We don't need more lovey-dovey pictures on Facebook and we don't need to hide our imperfections. What we actually need from Christian marriages is real people deciding that they're really gonna worship God with it. That they're gonna take everything they've got and they're gonna make him the foundation of it and anything that comes out of their marriage, they'll intentionally make, making the most of that opportunity, intentionally make it worshipful. So a proud father can point to them and say, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I do. And so here is what I want you to do. This is your challenge. Everyone in person live at Epiphany Station this week is going to be getting one of these. It's a box. It's not a fancy box, but it is a box. And after you're watching on this online, if you want to drop in the chat that you want us to send you one of these, we would love to do that. Like we'll flat pack it and ship it to you or we'll work out a way for you to come and pick it up. But everyone's going to be given one of these because we're going to take part in an illustration of our own marriages or our future marriage. What we're going to do is we're going to create a box. And if you're single, you're going to create a box. And if you're married, you're going to create a box. And if you're engaged, you're going to create a box. And if you have kids who are one day are going to think about it, you're going to get a box. If you have a friend who could do with this conversation, you're going to get a box. I think you get the idea. The challenge is 
to actually have a physical representation of this illustration to ourselves, to our spouses, to our kids, to the church, and to the world. And so if you're a couple, I'm actually going to challenge you to, to make the box together because I think that actually might be a foundational illustration of how your relationship might need a little bit of work. Like, I don't know if you've ever put Ikea things together, but that'll test a marriage like nothing else. But here's what I want you to do. If you're on your own, if, if, if it's a single thing that you're going to plan for future times, find a time to do it. If you're in a marriage or in a relationship, then do it together on a date with some quiet time while the kids are watching the Disney movie with the insipid song. Because I want you to have this reminder in your home and in your life, this illustration, this thing you can point to and say, that is why we're doing what we're doing. As you make this box, here's what I want you to do. On the outside of the box, like everything on the exterior, is I want you to write down, to draw, to decorate. Heck, if you were born in the 80s, go ahead and bedazzle that thing. And I want you to put on there what it is that your marriage is standing for. Like, what is it that you want your marriage actually to display? What do you want it to show the rest of the world? Maybe you want it to show deep trust, uh, forgiveness. Maybe you want to display passion and affection. Maybe it's support and care. Maybe it's unity, growth, service. Maybe it's Ephesians 5.15 or 5.22 or 5.25 or 5.33. Or maybe it's something else that you find in the Bible or something you once heard. Like That's what I want my marriage to be. I want you to do that and put all over it what it is your marriage is going to be about. As a couple, have the conversation. Like, where do we want to be in two years, five years? What do we want to see change in our relationship? And then once you've done the outside, you're going to move to the inside of the box. Once the outside is done, pop the lid. And on the inside of the box, all the way around inside it, this is a little bit of a trickier part, is what I want you to do is I want you to write down the parts that you're each going to play in making that happen. Like, this is one of those things that needs to be done delicately, but out of mutual submission to each other, actually listening to each other, you could actually help each other. Like, as the husband, the future husband, what part are you going to play to make this illustration of Christ and the church actually work? Maybe there are very specific things you need to work on. Maybe knowing your wife, you know the things that need to be done to help that illustration, how you're going to give up your life for her. Maybe as a wife or a future wife, how is it that you could actually show submission to him? How could you show trust in him? How could you show respect to him and play the part that God has for you to be able to display to the world what he can do? If you're willing to, you suggest these things to each other, you listen to each other, and you come up with the parts that you're committed to playing in making this illustration work. And then finally, the last thing, most important thing, is on the base of the box, inside and out, you get to write what the foundation of your marriage actually is, what it's actually stood on. And I'm going to give you two options here. Option one is you write out Ephesians 5.21. Option two is you don't. Ephesians 5.21 is submitting to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ. And you get to decide to do that or you don't. Either that's going to steer your marriage, either that's what you're going to rest your marriage on, either that's what's going to be the foundation of your marriage, or it's not. If it is, 
then God gets to hold and secure and stabilize and heal you in your marriage. He gets to redefine, he gets to recalibrate, and he gets to illustrate to you, your wife, your husband, to the rest of the world, who he is and what he does, the relationship he has with the church through Jesus. The challenge this week is to make up your box and then to put it somewhere that you see it regularly, something that you can actually observe and talk about. Maybe you, you show your, to your kids. Maybe newlyweds get to have a look. Maybe you show it to people who are struggling in their marriage. Whatever it is, you put it somewhere where it will be seen. Maybe store things in it, pictures, moments, your wedding vows, I don't know, but things that actually build up this repository of illustration so that you can display to the whole world what it is your marriage stands for. This is how we make the most out of every opportunity. We plan our marriages. So build a box as it's supposed to be, founded on what it's supposed to have at the very base of it. And take the promises that God has said he will keep together the marriage that is based on him. Come to it with what is needed, not just necessarily wanted. And make the most out of the marriage that God has planned for you or the marriage that he has given for you. Let me pray for all of us. Father God, we thank you that we get to have this challenging conversation on marriage. And I ask and I pray that you will push each and every one of us, be us single or married, to understand what your destiny is for our marriage, what your plan is for it, and that we would seek that above anything else. God, I ask that this box, this thing, this just an opportunity, just an illustration would be used mightily by you as a reference point to come back to for marriages. That you desire the base to be you, the inside to be our commitment out of mutual submission and the outside to be an illustration that the rest of the world sees about how we get to have a relationship with you. I ask you to do something mighty in our marriages for the rest of the world's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.